that, that sound reminds me, I, I, I was talking to somebody on the phone this past week, and their dryer went off behind them, and it sounded like they were being electrocuted. That, that's what that reminds me of. Um, they were not being electrocuted. They, they told me, it's just our dryer. Um, um, this past week, I was working on this message. I started working on it on Monday, and Tuesday morning, I got up real early and just was praying that God would speak to me clearly, and that I would hear God's word, and I would write a message that didn't sound like babble to you guys. And I went for a walk that morning, and I, and I was praying, and along the walk, I heard this still small voice tell me. I, I walked past, and there was a piece of paper on the ground, and this still small voice said, stop, go back, and pick it up. And I went back and picked it up, and I, I didn't have my glasses, but it had this writing on it, and I began to think, man, God is speaking to me through these words. I, I could, you know, I just in my mind, I'm thinking, um, as soon as I get home, I can't wait to read it, because it's probably going to be some really cool quote that ties all this message together, or some scripture that says, you know, it just, it, it just makes it pop. And I, and I had convinced myself, by the time I got home, God is really cool, and God is speaking to me through trash. And, and so, I, you know, I get home, I get my glasses out, I just can't wait. I am so excited to read it. <laughs> you have to, we have to have a little drum roll. Drum roll, please. Thank you, thank you. But, but this is what it said. Remove both side stubs first, fold, crease, and remove this stub at perforations. And maybe some of that speaks to you guys. I'm praying it does. <laughs> <laughs> no, as I reflect, it was some pay stub. As I was reflecting on it later, I realized God was speaking to me. He said, if you're walking along and you see trash, just stop and pick it up. Um, so, hey, let, let, me, let, me pray, let me pray over us right here. You know, we prayed for Ukraine and what was going on there, but let me, let's pray right here for us. Let's, let's bow our heads. Hey, Heavenly Father, Lord, we gather on this snowy day, either here in person or online, Lord, we just, we just ask you to quiet our hearts down this morning. Lord, while the snow still falls outside, just quiet us down. Lord, help us to be still enough to hear you speak to us. Lord, we want to be open to your words this morning. Not, not my words, Lord, not my stories, but your word and your stories, Lord. Lord, speak to us this morning. Just that simple prayer we pray, Lord, speak to us this morning. Pray these things in your son Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Um, last story. Um, this is a Kathy Escorcia story. Thank you for letting me share this story, Kathy. Kathy's retired uh, kindergarten, first grade, second grade teacher back in Iowa. Uh, she moved back here to be, moved here to be with her family. But she shares this story about little Deshaun. First day of kindergarten. Um, Deshaun, this is way before uh, we had preschool and stuff, so this was Deshaun's first day of school. And little Deshaun is sitting in the seat, but um, somewhere along the day, he gets up and walks to the window. And Kathy, being the great kindergarten teacher, walks over to Deshaun, gets down to Deshaun's level and says, Deshaun, are you okay? I need you to go back to your seat. And Deshaun, without meeting a beat, says, I can't believe mom signed me up for this. <laughs> I can't believe mom signed me up for this. And, and maybe, you felt that, maybe you felt that way today. Somebody said, hey, you're coming to church. I can't believe so-and-so made me come to church. But, but more seriously, I can't believe God signed me up for this. Some experience in your life. You said, I can't believe this is part of what it means to follow this Jesus. This is what it means to be a part of a, a church family. I can't believe my mom signed me up for this. We're going to read from Matthew's Gospel, 
this morning. Um, we're looking at Matthew chapter 5. Uh, it's the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5 through 7 is the Sermon on the Mount. But we're going to just look at the first part of the Sermon on the Mount, the, the, the part called the Beatitudes, the blessings. If you guys um, have a Bible around you or if you have your phone or your, bi- or your, your cell phone, we're going to show it up there, I believe. Um, this is Matthew chapter 5, starting with the first verse. And I ask you to listen carefully, for these are God's words. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said, blessed blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And blessed are those who thirst and hunger for righteousness, for they will be filled. Here ends God's word. That first beatitude, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Pastor Ike taught on this this past Wednesday and helped set set the stage for today's teaching. The second beatitude, the second blessing. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And I would love to, if we can fuss just with that word blessed for a minute. Pastor Ike touched on this this past week. Um, I've already asked folks online, our, our folks online, thank you guys for contributing. I've asked folks, how have you been blessed? What would you say? And um, folks online, thank you guys for contributing. Uh, they're relaying it to me right now. Blessed to be able to watch from Portland. I'm going to ask you guys to contribute too. <laughs> this is my brother from North Carolina. <laughs> he watched the first service. At least the guitar was in tune. <laughs> That's a whole nother story. Um, oh my gosh. Um, Randy, where are you? There you go. Um, blessed to be able to watch from Portland. Blessed to have wonderful, talented choir. Thank you, Jesus. Blessed to be blessed by his provision, protection, and his great cloud of witnesses he surrounds me with. Blessed to live in a free country. Prayers for all the Ukrainians and those supporting them. Blessed to be able to watch from home because of the snow. Wish I was there. Blessed by the snow. Blessed by marriage children, grandsons, and friends. Um, Icons are blessed by their church family. Blessed to worship and watch my church family online at home with my new baby girl. Wow. How how are you guys blessed? Audience participation. First uh, service, they were horrible at it. You know, somebody just like made something up. They were so bad at it. Jeff, how are are you blessed? Oh my gosh. That That is a blessing. Hey, before we even go any further, I promised you I'd pray for you guys. I forgot already, but let's pray for you right now. Heavenly Father, be with Jeff and Kim Gretman. Um, a whole bunch of years. They probably don't even remember him, they've been so long. But Lord, just a rich blessing upon them this day. Lord, I pray this in your son Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Thank, thank you for sharing that. Other blessings? Yes, Brent. Blessed by the angel at Walgreens. Okay, that's a story that we'll wait for another day, okay? Thank you. One, one, more, one more from the peanut gallery. Yes. Family. Yes, we all, yes, blessed by family. I, I asked my dad, my wife and I went to visit my 91-year-old dad who lives in Florida now just a couple weeks back. We asked him, dad said, you know, blessed by 64 plus years married to my mom who passed away a few years ago. Blessed to have six kids and 12 grandkids and three great-grandkids. Uh, blessed to, to, to work at something that he loved, to make a living at, and then blessed to have a pretty long life. When most of us think of, of blessings or how we've been blessed, we're thinking about the good things, 
the gifts that life has given us, the gifts that hard work has given us, and if we're churchy or holy, the gifts that God has given us. But how do we get our heads and hearts around these words from Jesus? Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Because I bet, I bet most folks, when they were thinking about blessings, when I asked how you've been blessed, not many of you thought of those times when you're, you were suffering loss, when you were mourning, when your stomach and your head and your heart hurt so because you lost something, be it a loved one or a relationship or a dream. Life's on cruise control. Maybe you've been there, you're, you're living the dream, and then something happens. Dreams are shattered. Life, as we knew it, came to an end. The series that we're teaching on through Lent is based on Kyle Eidelman's book called The End of Me. We have copies of the book available uh, at, in, somewhere out there by the Welcome Center. If you guys want a copy, $15. Kyle Eidelman calls these dream intruders and reminds us that at the end of me, often comes when my dreams come to an end, or life as we knew it is forever changed. Here's some examples. Maybe it was early on when your mom and dad sat you down and introduced you to the word divorce. Maybe it was when the love of your life, the one that you thought was the one, told you, it's just not working out. Or for you, maybe it was a phone call. There's been an accident. Or maybe it was the knock on the door and there's a uniformed man and the chaplain they're telling you your husband, your baby's dad is not coming home. Or a text you were never supposed to read uncovering an affair. Or maybe it was your boss telling you that the job you've had for a number of years is being eliminated. You're being downsized. You were living the dream and suddenly life was shaking you awake. And you came awake to lose something, be it money or health or work or innocence or someone special. First point I want to make, it's in your um, sermon notes, your sermon outline. If we're going to live, we're going to lose. And if you haven't lost yet, Lord Jesus, be with you when it happens. It truly happens to all of us with guaranteed certainty, just like taxes and death. And we will come to the end of ourselves. And I ask you just to please hang with me in this. This is some tough stuff. Jesus to this crowd on the mountainside, Jesus to us, all red letters in my Bible, it says, blessed are those who mourn. Some writer friends of Ernest Hemingway bet him 10 bucks at a lunch one day that, that, he couldn't, that, that Ernest Hemingway couldn't write a short story in six words. Hemingway takes the bet, takes out a napkin and writes these words. For sale, baby shoes, never worn. The power of words, the power of story, the power of the story in and under those words Six-word sagas, Kyle Eidelman calls them. And most of us could write our own six words to tell your story. To hammer this morning thing, to hammer this morning thing home some more, what, words, what, word, what six words would be yours? There has been a terrible accident. I'm leaving. The marriage is over. Your position is no longer needed. I just want to be friends. Cancer isn't responding to treatment. You won't be able to conceive. Here's a rose off the casket. These are all dream killers, aren't they? From living the dream to mourning, from life is pretty good to life stinks. One of my favorite grief share books, part of our grief share workshop, is titled this, and it's a real book, When Will My Life Not Suck? We've been there, haven't we? 
And yet Jesus is telling the crowd, Jesus is telling us, blessed are those who mourn. And is this some kind of upside down, inside out of, of God's kingdom, that up is down and down is up, the first will be last, and the last will be first? But just to peel this story back a bit and give it some living context, Jesus is teaching this stuff to this crowd of people. And in my mind, I, I imagine sort of a red rocks in reverse. Jesus is sitting up in, the, in one of the wooden bleachers high up, and the crowd is standing below him. And Jesus begins his teaching with these two phrases. Blessed are the poor in spirit, and blessed are those who mourn. And I've learned whenever you get a, a group of people together like this, most every one of them will have their share of sad stories. Stories of heartache and broken dreams, Jesus is looking out at that crowd. He's looking into their eyes, yes, but he's also looking into their hearts. And he knows their stories. His words to these people are not just words. They are neosporin for their souls. They are, they are comfort for their souls. A couple weeks back, um, first service. This couple was here, the, uh, the first service. But um, at the end of the service, I, I give this blessing um, over folks. And I often use, it's, it's a blessing from Numbers. It's called the Aaron's blessing. It's, it's um, Moses' brother blessing the Israelite people. And it goes like this. May, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. And as I begin the blessing, I, I look out at, at a family I've just met 10 minutes before church. Two, two weeks earlier, they had lost a 23-year-old daughter. As, as I begin this blessing, they're right over here. I, I begin this blessing. The words get stuck in my throat. I, I get choked up as I see this family clinging to each other. As I think about their heartache, as I see them mourning their loss of a child, their daughter. And I know some of your stories, and I am truly blessed by that. But Jesus knows all of our stories. And Jesus, as he's looking out into this crowd, sees not just the surface, but their hearts. Jesus sees each of us too. Not too concerned about this stuff, the outside stuff, but he's see seeing deeply into our hearts, and he knows our stories. Jesus, as he shares these words, blessed are those who struggle. Blessed are those who mourn. We struggle with, makes, with making sense out of them. The crowd must have too. Up is down, down is up. It's opposite day at Sermon on the Mount. Jesus opens with these beatitudes, these blessings. And I quote from Kyle Eidelman's book, a list of reverses that changes the retail price of everything. And we're left thinking blessings. Everything we thought we knew about blessings has changed. The first beatitude, blessed are the poor, makes no sense at all. How, how are the poor blessed? It's the ones with the most toys that win, right? Everybody knows that. Blessed are the poor whose dreams come true. Blessed are those who marry their high school sweethearts and live happily ever after. Blessed are those who get the job or get the girl or get the corner office. But this is how Jesus finishes that second beatitude, the second blessing. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Kyle Eidelman reminds us that the majority of that first century crowd had more than likely experienced significant loss in their lives. He's speaking to a crowd of mourners in an age of infant mortality, of short lifespans, of hunger, of disease, of, of national humiliation. 
None of them was going to step forward and shout out, you go, Jesus, morning rocks, morning rules. But these folks knew morning. I, I am a morning person, not, I am a M-O-R-N-I-N-G. I'm a morning, get up early, get up at, at 4.30, 5 o'clock. I'm a morning person. But I don't think any of us are morning, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G. None of us live and thrive on that. Dream busters, Kyle Adelman calls them. Life is cruising along, and then we don't choose these dream busters. We don't invite them in. They just kick the door down and come in. Something beyond our control breaks into our lives and changes everything. I could do another audience participation and ask you guys to fill in the blank. My dream buster moment was dot, 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 dot. But most of you know. Most of you have one. I know. I know. And we mourned and we prayed that we would wake up from this really, really bad dream. We have this painful longing for yesterday when we didn't realize how good we had it. Just before the wheels fell off and the world caved in and everything, everything, everything changed. Jesus says to us, blessed are those who mourn. We try to spin it, maybe it's poetry. Maybe some imagery that we're just not getting, or maybe it's one of those books Cindy and I used to have on our coffee table. You know, it was the image that you sort of looked at the center and the edges at the same time, and then you pulled it back, and then all of a sudden the picture would pop out. But as hard as we try to make sense of these words, when we fill in the blank with some for instances, it's a blessing to be a young widow raising a one and a half year old by myself. It's a blessing to lose your job and count down the days before you lose the house. It's a blessing to be a recovering alcoholic with almost nothing left. It's a blessing to lose your husband to a woman he met on a business trip. It's a blessing to watch a parent do a slow fade into the fog of Alzheimer's. Maybe we try to make sense out of it in some way. This one's for you. It's a blessing to dot, 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 dot. Maybe Jesus means to exclude the worst stuff. Maybe this blessing stuff is only for what we call the small stuff or character building opportunities. Like next week, if you forget to spring ahead with your clocks and you show up church an hour later, work an hour late, stuff, stuff that's a pain, stuff that's embarrassing, but we'll laugh about it later, right? Realize we are so blessed. But I don't think the evidence supports this. Back a few weeks ago, I shared a message about faith. And I shared a bunch of faith stories, many from you folks. I thank you guys for that. And the, the line I asked you to fill in was this, Jesus became real to me when dot, 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 dot. The Sunday I shared that message, a man came to, up to me after the first service that Sunday and said he had one of these Jesus became real stories. And I asked him if I could share it today. With tears and emotion in his voice, he shared this story about his son who was in a serious car accident and how he coded three times. His heart stopped three times. Once at the scene of the accident, once on the flight for life to St. Anthony's, and then once again at the hospital. The son is now in the ICU, and the parents are sitting in the waiting room, waiting on word to see if their son is going to survive. They're not sitting there thinking, someday we'll laugh about this. Blessed are those who mourn. In the struggle we have with this text, 
with these kinds of stories, this is probably what Jesus was talking about. If you read the gospel stories, Jesus didn't waste a lot of time with small stuff. He's speaking to end of moment, end of life moments, end of me moments. Jesus uses the word mourn, and he's talking about what happens inside of us when we experience significant major league suffering. This is from the commentator William Barclay. The Greek word for mourn here is the strongest word used for mourning in the Greek language. It is defined as the kind of grief which takes a hold that it cannot be hidden. It is not only the sorrow which brings an ache to the heart, it is the sorrow which brings the unrestrainable tears to the eyes. We weep. We're broken. Folks who go through our Grief Share workshop, they talk often about the physical pain of losing a loved one. The stomach hurts, the head hurts, the heart hurts, the soul inside hurts. Blessed are those who mourn. A blessed life, as any normal person would define it, it would be a life free from mourning, not a life marked by it. We can't spin this one. We can't game this one. As much as we want to, we can't. This is what Jesus is saying to us. When we mourn, when life gets extremely difficult, when we experience the deepest suffering we've ever encountered, when we come to the end of ourselves, that's when we're blessed. Blessed are those who mourn. Seems so upside down, doesn't it? This is Kyle Eidelman's take on this, and I believe it's true. What if we've been viewing this mourning thing all wrong? What if we've been viewing mourning all our lives upside down, that it actually seems right side up? As wild as it sounds, Eidelman says, consider the possibility that the whole world is crazy and Jesus has it right. That blessing isn't dependent on what happens on the outside, but it comes from the inside. And this type of blessing can only be found in the shedding of a certain amount of tears. Just that, like that little boy in the kindergarten class. I can't believe my mom signed me up for this. I've shared this with some of you folks before. My, the last two years of seminary, I worked part-time as a hospital chaplain. This was the late 90s. Um, my wife and I would be watching ER with George Clooney on TV on Thursday nights. Anybody remember ER with George Clooney? <laughs> This was back in the pager days, and my pager would go off. And I knew I was heading into some real-life ER episode. I would drive down Broad Street, where our apartment was, into downtown Columbus, Ohio, to Mount Carmel Med Center, praying the whole way that God would show up big time, because I really didn't have a clue what I was doing. And that I would step into some nightmare of a story. I would pray, heaven help me, God be with me, please. And I remember the, the rawness of it all the emotions, the heartache. And I was startled at first, but then came to realize over and over again how quickly life can change for folks. Talk about dream busters. And I remember going home many a night um, from the hospital, hugging our son Jacob, who was five years old at the time, and telling him, you're never leaving our sight ever, 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 wanting to protect him from that kind of pain, really wanting to protect me from that type of loss. Most of us know by now loss is a part of life. If we're going to live, we're going to lose. We're going to experience loss and pain and heartache and mourning. But the point I want to make about this chaplain work, every time, every time, 
Before I would enter into one of those ER situations, I would pray, God, please show up. Please, please work in me and through me because I, I knew every time I was w- in way over my head. To use Kyle Eidelman's words, I was at the end of me and God would show up. presence of God, the overwhelming presence of the divine was there every time. It was holy ground. Take your shoes off, holy ground. God's presence was there. I would step into these situations and start to say something from me, and God would say to me, shh, 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 shh. I got this. To quote from the Lion King movie, Timon to Pumbaa, God was saying the same thing to me. Sit down before you hurt yourself. (laughs) God's presence was so powerful so real, the veil between heaven and, and earth so thin at those times. You know, I've shared, it, it was the best job, it was the worst job, because I got to experience that, and I don't know how chaplains do it, people that do it full-time, because I could never live there, it's so raw and hard and real. But man, one thing I learned about my chaplain experience, life may be zooming along at 90 miles an hour, and then something happens. It stops folks, it stops us in our tracks, and all the noise of life slows way down, and we focus on the matter at hand. From Psalm 46, 10, be still, be still, know that I am God. Tragedy, life stuff, it will slow us down, and I believe this is where the blessing of God can come in, if, if we allow it. And I'm quoting from Kyle's book, In surprising ways, suffering makes room in our spirit, in our hearts, for us to know and experience the blessing of God's peace and presence. Without suffering, we simply can't know God's comfort. Some of you guys know the story of Job, the Old Testament story. Job living the blessed life, the good life, the it doesn't get any better than this life, the dream life, but suffering was coming. And the story says Satan was licking his chops just to see Job suffer and then turn from God. Job, he's at the top of his game. First chapter, big healthy family, seven sons, three daughters, 7,000 sheep, probably enough, 3,000 camels, and a whole mess of donkeys and, and yokes of oxen and servants. By the next chapter, chapter two, he loses it all. His kids, his home, his stuff, his health. Job's wife, her best advice to him during all this, curse God and die. My wife has said a lot of things to me, but she's never said that to me. (laughs) My paraphrase, Job, Job, your faith in God isn't helping you at all. What good is your faith? But Job stays steady. Pastor Joe would be proud. Job stays steady. And to Satan's astonishment, Job draws closer to God. Job experiences God in a way he never had before. And I'm quoting from Job 42.5. My ears had heard of you, Job said, but now my eyes have seen you. Job knew about God, but now he knows God. And here's the deal. And I ask you to listen to this. When we grieve, when we mourn, there is a deep void that used to be filled with whatever we lost be it a relationship or stuff, none of which are bad things. But when these are gone, it leaves this big hole, this big aching, big gaping hole. And if we're open to it, if we're open to it, God is there to fill that hole with himself. 
from Hebrews 4.16, and I think the writer of Hebrews is talking to us about life when the wheels fall off. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us, to help us in our time of need. Draw near to God and God will draw near to you. My experience with God, God's never going to force himself upon us. He extends the invitation. He reaches out his hands to us, his arms to us. We just have to grab hold. When we suffer, when we suffer, we mourn. But when we mourn, we are comforted by the God of all comfort, 2 Corinthians 1.3. That's why we can breathe these words, not in a shout from the mountaintop, but in a whisper from the valley, from the streets. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Again, everyone experiences loss, and no one is eager for it. The little kindergarten boy's words, I can't believe my mom signed me up for this. Our words to God, I can't believe you signed me up for this. It's hard for me, it's hard for us to figure out these words. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. But here's two two more six-word sagas. God will not waste your pain. God will use it as you learn what, what it means to share compassion and how to comfort folks to someone else that might be going through the same stuff. And God will not leave you alone. From Psalm 23, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your, your, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Again, this, this comfort we've been talking about here is, is allowing God, inviting God, the God of all comfort, to come into the void, allowing God to fill the space left empty by our loss. And I've learned doing this pastor stuff for the last 25 years, that there's an intimacy, intimacy with God, if we allow it, way more in the valleys than when we're on the mountaintops. And I love Eugene Peterson's The Message translation of this verse. You're blessed when you feel you've lost what is most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Again, we're talking about how God comforts us, but also how God uses us. And not just pastor types, but more often God uses everyday folks, normal folks, broken folks, to step into people's lives and be the hands and heart of Jesus to them. We all know walking with someone who's grieving, who's mourning, especially, well, it's all bad, especially when it's, when it's come suddenly, is really, really, really hard. And most of us really struggle with this. I want to close with these final thoughts. If you're talking with someone that's experienced a major loss, never start the sentence with these words, at least. At least you could conceive. At least you had time to say goodbye. At least you had 25 good years. Please wipe those words from your vocabulary. They are not helpful when you're walking with someone that's mourning. Words that you should never use, at least. Here's three phrases that you might be able to use depending on the situation. Memorize these. I'm sorry. That's all you have to say, I'm sorry. Or I I don't know what to say. Maybe that's the best one. I don't know what to say because most times we don't know what to say. And we say stupid stuff like, at least, don't say that. 
Or the last one, I can't imagine what you're feeling. Because we can't. Even if the same things happen to us, we can't imagine what they're feeling. Last thought on this, as hard as it is to show up when a friend or a coworker or even a family member experiences a major league loss, please show up. Even if you blow it with the words, please show up. For me, every time before I go into these situations, I still pray, God, please be here. Please show up. Heaven help me. Uh, before Cindy and I went to seminary back in 96 or so, um, the church Cindy and I attended before we went to seminary, a 19-year-old boy was killed tragically. His truck rolled over in a mountain, on a mountain trail somewhere. And I remember the dad coming to me afterwards and telling me how folks that he had known for years, friends of his, Now when they saw him, they would turn and go the other way to avoid him. They didn't think he saw them, but he did. He came to me and said, Joe, I see it. They were so struggling with, with what to say. They just avoided him. Just show up. I ask you, just show up. God will give us ample opportunity to, to, to walk with people that mourn. Just show up. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Allow God to use you to be his loving arms, to be his heart. Yesterday we had um, just a powerful couple come and speak to us about their 25 years in prison ministry, Carla and Russ. And they said this is their mantra, this is their takeaway from 25 years of walking with people um, through the, some of the, the yuckiest of stuff. Their team, they, this is what they preached to their team that would come in and love on these prison guys. Listen, listen, love, love. Listen, listen, love, love. I believe those are words that we can take. People will forget what we said. People will forget what we did. But they will never forget how we made, how we made them feel. One of my favorite verses, and it's also my least favorite verse, is Romans 8.28. And we know that in all things, underline all, we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And I believe these words are true. I believe, I want to believe these words are true, but I always want to add the word eventually to, to the verse. And we know that in all things God eventually works for the good of those who love him. Because in the midst of the pain and the suffering and the heartache, it is really hard to see how God's going to use this fill-in-the-blank for good. Yet this is what Jesus teaches. This is what he proclaims from the mountaintop. My wife shared this with me yesterday, and I think it connects it. My wife is way holier than me. She should be your pastor. I want to be at the Welcome Center where she is right now. Um, But she, she said, you know, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. And then St. Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. On our own, we are broken and cracked. But through Christ, maybe we got a shot. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. The man, I, I, the man who came up to me after that church and shared with me um, th- those times when his son coded three times before they got him stabilized. This, this man told me some of the backstory. Before his son was in that horrific accident, this man told me that he and his wife had left church some 30 years ago. 
disagreements over something, hurts they just couldn't get over. We all know this side of heaven, churches mess it up all the time. We mess it up. I mess it up all the time. There's no perfect church. Something had happened at their church, and they said they were done with church. They were done with God. But this man, he shared with me, he said his mom, for 30 years, prayed consistently that he and his wife would come back to church, come back to God. For 30 years, she prayed. The first Sunday after his son's accident, they came back to church. And God, they were here first service. They haven't left. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Usually, uh, at the end of the message, I'll, I'll pray us out. Um, I would love for us to, to sing us out and use this as a prayer. And, and I messed it up so royally the first service. That's why my brother texted me and said, at least the guitar was in tune. <laughs> oh, boy. I, I must have played this song. You know, I always joke, I only know three songs, Puff the Magic Dragon, Silent Night, and Amazing Grace. But I also know this song. <laughs> um, and maybe you guys know, it's a, it's a campfire song, and I'm recruiting all of you to be in my campfire choir, okay? Maybe you guys know it. It goes, in, in this place, Lord, be glorified, be glorified. In this place, Lord, be glorified today. And we fill in the blanks sometimes. But if you guys could, could be my, my, my choir, I could ask Stuart to come up. But we'll, we'll wing it, okay, today.
guys are in. Next time I get, well, the first time I get a campfire gig, you're, you're all coming with me, okay? 